With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Power Hour, the Athletics Tuesday National College Football Podcast hosted by yours truly, Nicole Auerbach. And I am thrilled this week, as always, I'm ready for the grumpiness. There's always some grumpiness. There's always some hot takes. It's Michael Felder, our good friend from Stadium. And one of my, I I consider you basically a neighbor because we're in the same city here in Chicago. But I, I, I do love the grumpiness. I like the, the, when you, when you get a a little bit like get off my lawn and I feel like we're going to get there today. I don't think I'm grumpy. I do think that I am angry. And I do think I that think I that's am comes across as grumpy sometimes. Yeah, that's a good point. And I also like the way that I like to describe it is like, yes, some I would I've called myself a curmudgeon before, but I think that honestly, I think I just don't suffer fools. I think that's the reality of it. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I and and I respect that. I would like to think I don't suffer fools either. But I do think you do that more in a public way. I think people know this more about you. I I respect it. I respect it. And this is why I was excited to talk to you about this proposal for a 12-team college football playoff, because I know your perspective on this is different than everyone else in the media. And I think mine is a little bit different as well. So here on Power Hour, we break down the biggest storylines in college football each week in an hour or less. And just a reminder, if you enjoy this podcast, be sure to subscribe be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the Andy Staples and Friends show, because then you'll get more of this. And I think we're going to start here. We're recording this a couple days after this four-person working group in the College Football Playoff Management Committee comes out, drops a press release that explains a lot of details about a 12-team format that they endorse, kind of out of the blue, some of us were expecting, we, we knew that they were set, there were meetings coming up. Sorry, let me just set that up again. So we're recording this just a couple days after really a seismic event in, in college football, in particular modern college football history. You had this four-person working group was part of the college football playoff come out and say, hey, here's our 12-team model. So right now we got four. We all know that. I think a lot of us had assumed over the years that the next step in expansion would be eight, blowing past eight, going to 12, and they outlined exactly what it would look like, the, the t- highest, six highest-ranked conference champions, six at-large spots, a um, couple other highlights of, of the plan in case you haven't you know, gone in the weeds on it. Notre Dame ineligible to get a bye. They cannot finish in the top four seeds because they have to be conference champions. And the quarterfinal round of the games are, would be played at bowl games, again, under this proposal. So, again, the context here is four people endorse this. This is Greg Sankey from the SEC, Bob Bowlesby from the Big 12, 
Jack Swarbrick from Notre Dame, and Craig Thompson from the Mountain West. What happens next is the rest of the group, the rest of the commissioners, and eventually the presidents involved in the CFP will meet and discuss these things. They're going to have the same arguments and questions that we do, that we all have had. But right now, you have this really drastic and honestly really attractive proposal out there for college football and Felder I know your whole theory here is you don't need to expand this thing to include people and think that everyone's going to suddenly get better or be happier this way well I think that I think there's a combination here right like I think that people are going to be happy but as we've I really appreciate that you helped me crystallize this idea of People don't like football. They like television. And football's their favorite show. And what we're going to get is we're going to get more characters on there, right? Like, we're going to get extra characters added to the show, which is great. And we're going to get extra cities added to the show or extra regions of the country added to the show. I am, personally, I am, the big thing for me when I look at it and I look at through the whole deal I think, obviously, it, it, you get a meaningful game on campus, which has been kind of disappearing um, over the course of what the – over the every, – every, and listen, I love, like, you know, Duke's Mayo is doing two classics. We got the Chick-fil-A kickoff. We've got uh, the games in – in not Austin, in – is it da- – they're in Dallas? They're in Dallas, right? Those games in, always. in Jerry's Dallas and Atlanta. Yeah. 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 And I think this – does get something back to campus, which I do think people will enjoy. They'll, they'll have that feel. Uh, but at the same time, I also recognize that, and I also, and, and then also when we get to, we talk quarterfinals, semifinals, and the final, those go to bowl games. And the bowl games want to feel like they matter. So who knows what bowls are going to incorporate. Maybe it's a rotating system of, of incorporating everything, whether it's Duke's Mayo to the pinstripe to whatever it is depending on location and the teams, you get to incorporate some of these other bowl games in so those games feel like they matter. But man, it just... We've talked about this on the show before, but I I don't know how it's going to make the teams better. And at the end of the day, and this is something, and obviously last week, what did we talk about? The, the scholarship crunch and recruiting and the whole deal? I, if you don't, if, I, I okay, uh, you know what? I'm and I'm kind of scattered, but here's what I'm going to say. People have been saying to me over the course of this week, "Oh, well, now they'll they're they're gonna they're gonna work harder." And I was like, "If your team wasn't busting their ass already, then you've already failed." Like you should be trying as hard as you can already, right? Like who who is saying that? That that is just a It's I think it's a I think honestly Nicole, I think what it has to do with is people who it's it's wishful thing like I listen, I, lo- I listen, I'm the king of wishful thinking is what it is, right? I'll get over you. I know I will. I'll pretend my ship's not sinking. And I'll tell myself I'm over you because I'm the king of wishful thinking. What's that? Go West? What a beautiful rendition. Like, beautiful. It's this idea that our recruiting's going to go up or our 
our coaches are going to stop being dumb. It's all that, like, now that the playoffs involved, we're going to get better. Why? You guys haven't been trying as hard as you can? No, and uh, so I I agree that there's probably some of that, I don't know if it's naive, wishful thinking, whatever it is. I think a lot of people here uh, totally understand that Alabama and Clemson and Ohio State and all those top teams are still going to be the top teams until somebody else raises their level and dethrones them. Mm -hmm. But this is the way that I've always presented it to you, is that if you have more access and you have more teams involved in like, oh, we have a chance to make this thing. We're staying engaged throughout the year. Mm-hmm. I think it isn't as bad when you get to the inevitable Alabama-Clemson national championship game, right? It's more interesting along the way. More teams feel like they had a part of it. A group of five team feels like they had a chance to play their way in and they didn't just get decided. They didn't get told by a group of 13 people that they weren't good enough. Like, I think it's it, it's okay, and it will happen, that it's the same teams at the very end. But it's about engaging in access along the way, and I think it's going to be a lot more interesting because you're going to have those first-round games on campuses. Quarterfinals could be really good matchups. Maybe you're going to get a hot team. Like I keep thinking about Oklahoma from last season. They got hot at the end of the year. They had early losses, so they were never going to make the playoff. But in an expanded field, they could go on a bit of a run. They could maybe give maybe given Ohio State or an Alabama a better game than we saw, right? Like, I, I think you're, you're, you could absolutely end in the same destination. But it will be more interesting and engaging along the way, and that is really what this is about. I don't think most people are thinking, everyone's going to get better now. Like, I think they're thinking, nope, those, the best will still be the best, but now we'll have access points to this thing and eventually we can keep trying to chase the best yeah i I think the chase is i don't know like i don't have you seen heat no you've not you have you haven't seen heat the movie heat no de niro and pacino together no so there's a guy tom sizemore and what he says is something that i really i've kind of adopted it as like a lifestyle is for me the action is the juice and they're bank robbers and so for him robbing the bank is the is the part he likes not the money and for me the football is the part i like not the championship and literally like i just i don't know like i work for a company that has conference usa and mountain west rights you do a lot of work that involves teams that aren't going to, they're not going to go to the playoff or players that aren't going to go to the playoff. And you like it, right? Yeah. Like you, you, you love, you, you love doing that. You love telling these stories. You love showcasing these people. You love show, like you love doing it. And I guess it's, and I, I guess I can like in, in retrospect or not retrospect, that's not the right word in reviewing and kind of reviewing things. Yes, I get it. Because those stories will be amplified if they have an outside shot at getting to the playoff in the end of October to November. But I just wish you didn't have to do that for those things to matter. Like, I don't, I wish that you didn't have to have an undefeated North Texas for people to care about Mason Fine. I wish you didn't have to have. Like, you know, a, a one one loss 
San Diego State for people to care about Kavana Tizino. Like I, I like you, you know what I'm saying. Like I, it just is frustrating to like Hank Bachmeyer is a good quarterback. It doesn't matter if he's going to the playoff or not. He's good, and I just that's frustrating to me. And it. it I don't know. I just, I like, yeah, you can tell in my voice. I'm just frustrated. It's frustrating that this is the way that you have to do. Like it's the ripple effect in the, the overall, the big picture of it all is this is it's because the expansion is not about football. It's not about football being good. It's not about teams being good. It's not about coaching acumen, which I've kind of gotten into a little bit over the last week too, which a lot of these guys suck. Like, they're not good. And, but on the flip side of that, coaching is hard. It's hard to coach and sustain success. But none of this is about any of those things. The things that I really do, like, care about and love about this sport, it's about, well, more people will be involved. But like, if you have to manipulate the system to make people care about it, Maybe we should start looking at whether it's how we teach football, how we introduce people to the game, how we how we bring people to the game, how we teach people the game, which I don't I honestly I don't think many people are even taught the game. It it's frustrating because like if you ask someone what they like about college football, it takes like 10 layers before they get to the actual players, and the sport. I think that's true, because I think that this is a sport that has a lot of pageantry and traditions and things like yeah. that, and people are going to say those. And and I think that's totally fine. No one's going to say that they like watching a dynasty. They don't like watching Alabama destroy everybody. But why not? And then also... What? No, but I, I I don't think people are going to say that, unless you're an Alabama fan, or maybe a football purist, because like yourself, I think there's a lot of respect... I think people respect and see Nick Saban's evolutions and they're interested in that. But I think if you talk to people, they have their attachments to their schools and they want them to be noticed. They want them to be noticed, their traditions to be honored, their rivalry games yeah. to matter. That's what's unique about this because I think in pro sports, there's less teams. Um, you know, you have fantasy sports, you have all these things that it's just like, it's, it's, it's not the same type of attachment, like to your team. And, and I wrote this article on The Athletic on Tuesday that I think speaks to this. It's about the way ESPN has covered the sport mm-hmm. during the playoff era. And so Lee Fitting, who, who runs the college football programming over there, uh, runs game day, he, we were talking and he was like, listen, if you're a New York Jets fan, because he, you know, he's in that area, and the team starts two and seven. You're done. And and I was like, oh yeah, my dad's a Jets season ticket holder. He's like, nope, I'm done with this team. I hate this team. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever. You don't do that in college football in the same way because of this attachment that you have. And so we ended up having this conversation. I'd encourage people to read the story because it's about obviously ESPN has rights to the playoff. Mm-hmm. It has rights to these major major leagues as well. So they want to talk about the playoff as much as possible. Who's in? They also write teams off very early in September and say they're out when there's still a season to go. Their framing and the fact that it's been dominated by just a few teams makes it so narrow. 
And it makes fans feel like my team never gets mentioned. Right. My rivalry games never get mentioned. My things don't matter. They only want to talk about Alabama and Clemson and Ohio State. And it sucks the oxygen out of the room. And so I think this gets to your point where you're talking about caring about Conference USA games, caring about Mountain West games because there's good football, because there's good players, Mm -hmm. because you love all the levels of the sport. And I think that there is that. But I do think in the playoff era and the way that this prism exists and it starts with ESPN because they're the the biggest, they're the broadcasters. They own this thing. They have a Tuesday night selection show, and they set the narrative in a lot of these cases. It doesn't. It, you have to really seek out the football and the stories at lower levels. Yes. It, no, don't call them lower levels. It's just football. No, I mean, I, I but like power five versus group of five. Sure. I just I but, like, but that's a that's big, that's a big thing for me though. Is like it's right. just football. It's football. Football is football, and literally, like, it, in your, I think you're spot on with the idea that, like, the way that it kind of sorts itself for the media and for the message that gets pushed out, but football is football, and you've never seen me, like, live on site before, but going to do high school stuff or going to do, you know... Whether it's me going to watch like the HBCU combine or going to watch kids go compete on a small level, like on a on a on a on a camp level, my, my coworkers, we went to St. Louis for a regional, an opening regional, and we went to Charlotte for an opening regional, and they were like, "Oh, I've never seen you like this. Oh, you're you're fun and nice and like." You you you're you're having the time of your life out here, and you're helping kids and like showing them a way to do a thing. Like that's football's football, and it's frustrating. And I think you're spot on. The idea that every I don't know. I there's a couple of different things like flowing through my head here. To be quite honest, one is this idea. I do think that, and maybe it's because this isn't a problem that I have personally because I'm very like. I'm pretty self-secure. Would you would you say I'm pretty self-secure? Yes. Like I don't I don't care if anybody I don't care if other people like the stuff I like. I like it, so I'm fine. If anyone that saw me post the picture of me in my Panama hat from Sunday, guess what? I don't care if you like it or not. It's my vibe for the summer. It's going down. <clears throat> but the point that I'm making is I think there are a lot more people that are more insecure. Which leads to, oh, if they're not talking about us. And it works both ways. It works for teams that don't I don't know if that's I don't know if that's insecurity. I think a lot of it's just genuinely wanting to be noticed. If you notice it, who cares? It's your fandom. It's the the people you care about. If you get your you know, if your game gets mentioned, if if someone thinks about you in a certain way, it's not all insecurity. I think some of it is, but I think some of it's just wanting to be part of the, the experience. And I yeah, and I guess yeah, and I and you know you're right, you're right. I shouldn't call it insecurity because I love to talk about teams that don't usually get mentioned or players that don't usually get mentioned and all that stuff. I love to talk about it, and I do see the feedback from people who are like, "Thank you for talking about this." Nobody else is bringing this up, and I think that's great. Like I like um, what's his name at Arizona State, Jalen. Um, 
I can't. Jaden Daniels? Jaden da- yeah, Jaden Jaden Daniels. And I, I was like, man, Jalen, Jaden, Jaden, Jaden Daniels. And people aren't talking about him. But I also love what Arizona State is doing as a program. And you're right. And people respond to it because they're like, finally, my team gets brought up. So you're right. It's, I shouldn't call it insecurity. I think it's more, I think you have to find, I, I think people have to find the voices that are amplifying them. I, because the big thing for me is I also think it is, I know how you work. You know how I work. I think that there is a different tier of work um, in our in our space that is lazy. And so it's easy to talk about just the six teams that people care about. And it's very easy. And, and obviously numbers are involved and you look at what gets numbers and numbers go to you, you have a tier of team or, a, you know, whatever it is where people flock to or people associate with. But it just, nah, you're right. I shouldn't have called, I shouldn't have said that it's insecurity because I do think it is this wanting to be noticed. And it, it, it's, it's wanting to be part of it. And I think when you, to me, the two things I, I that think, led to. I think the part of it, part of it, I think the, the part of it, part of it, good grief, Michael, pick words. I think the wanting to be part of it, part of it is, that's the, I guess, I think that's the part that doesn't, I don't jibe with because I think those stories, like Alex Grinch. I love Alex Grinch. I thought when he was at Washington State, I wish more people would have talked about him when he was at Washington State. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. He was so good and did so many innovative and really creative things. I think that he has a strategy. And we're going to see if it works at Oklahoma, obviously. But he has a strategy that I love. I don't care if they're going to the playoff. I love what he's doing. And I wish more people would tell that story versus creating an expanded field. Because that's the only way they could tell that story. Is that? I th- but but I but 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 I think that that solves some of these problems. Yeah. Like this is why I really like the twelve team model, the way that it was set up. I think it's really smart because it solves that problem where you know general fans are you watching the Pac twelve in November? Are right. you paying attention to the Pac twelve race? Maybe you'll learn something about the way someone. You know, a star coordinator is is working, or a quarterback that you didn't know, and maybe you're not the kind of person who stays up for Pac-12 after dark. So, so it does matter if there is like a casual fan storyline, like a a playoff spot hanging in the balance, right? So, to me, the idea of going to twelve, having six, you know, the highest rate conference champions. Which, by the way, I love that phrasing. I love that it's not. You know, here's AQs for this league, this league, this league, and one for the G5. Because now I sort of wonder if you need to use the label group of five in the same way. Because, you know, I, I think that this presents a way where, you know, if Pac-12's down or something's down, ACC doesn't have Clemson good one year, you get multiple group of five champions in. And, like, it's just there, there's a flexibility there and an awareness of um, – of FBS being together that I really like in the phrasing there. And then six at large spots. The six at large spots mean that that you're casting a wide net. Yes, a lot of them will go to SEC teams. But if you start with 
four and we only end up talking about like seven teams each year. If you go to 12, you're going to talk about like 20 something, 30 teams that stay in the hunt. And I don't know if we'll ever get to the point, you know, like Lee Fitting was saying he hates how, you know, Penn State loses a game in September. We're like, oh, they're out. And then it's like, well, how do you? But no, Penn State matters. It matters to all of their fans. It matters to the sport. It matters to the conference race. But like the framing is, is, is just that they're out and they have nothing to play for. And that's a problem. And I'm like, I think you're still possibly going to have that. But again, one loss wouldn't eliminate you in this model. It should incentivize better non-conference scheduling. Like there should be, it should be addressing a lot of these major issues we have about the sport right now, where it feels like an invitational. It feels like it really matters, you know, the name of your jersey and your perception. And it feels like we only talk about the same few teams and then they are the best and they get better. This, I think, again, it's not to say that someone else is going to win a national championship. That will happen at some point, you know, but the teams will need to get better to do that. It's just about having access so it feels more fair and playing out things on the field instead of just a selection committee telling them that that team is better than that one and having a reason to stay engaged in the season. And I think that that is going to be the biggest part because right now, no one's paying attention to Pac-12 if Oregon loses to Auburn in week one. Like, we don't even talk about them. And again, this is all narrative. This is media stuff, too. But fans feel that way. I just think you can shift all of these things with a model that addresses them. If it actually incentivizes the right things, which should be staying engaged in Power 5 conference races throughout the year, even the Pac-12, Staying involved in group of five races for the top teams because you might get multiple ones in. And if not, you know that Cincinnati will have a chance to play us out on the field. I think that stuff really matters and is really smart the way that they did this. I am curious. The the two things that people seem to be harping on is Notre Dame not being able to get a bye because they can't be a one through four seed. I think that's being overblown. I don't think, I think, first of all, we know that their athletic director was willing to horse trade that. He's on the working group. But B, they're going to have no problem accessing this thing. If they can be seeds through five through eight, they can host a game in this. Like, it's going to be fine. Going to be fine. Question for you, though, Felder, as a former player, is how do you feel about just the one round of on campus games? And that for the majority of teams, including the top four seeds, like, they'll just be playing at bowl sites. The way through under the proposal, the way it's written, I I hate it um, on a on several levels. One, I and again, this keeps going back to something that I get it. Most fans do not care about. Most fans don't even know about this. Most fans don't think about this. But you're going to get your bowl gifts, but you don't get a bowl experience. These are business trips. There is a massive difference between. We're going to play a football game that we have to win. And we're going to play a football game and do all this other side stuff. And so I hate that part of it. Like, I mean, I guess I think, I mean, maybe the good thing is they're going to all save their per diem because they're not going out to bars all night. <laughs> like, that's a, a, but, but But what about like the idea of, of doing that and kind of throwing this bone to the bulls? to say, hey, you go somewhere. It's the end of the season. This is like how this sport typically ends a season 
versus hosting a game or doing a road game or something that feels more normal. I think that I think that the the hosting a game or doing a, just playing a road game, I think that you're I think the normalcy that you mentioned really hits the nail on the head where yeah, this is going to feel a lot more like just a regular Saturday than going to a bowl site. I also think I think uh, quite honestly, bowls getting off easy when we get to that quarterfinal semifinal yes. round. Because they don't have to do any of these extra stuff that you're supposed to do that makes a bowl game a celebration. They box up all your stuff. They'll just box. Excuse me. They'll box up all your, you know, your gift or whatever. Box it up. Give it to you. But we don't have to do anything else because you're not doing any of the stuff. You're just focused on winning the game. And I think that's like it's interesting to see how that shakes itself out. But they also do get to feel self-important. So maybe they are going to be upset that you don't, you're not doing, you know, if you're going to the Alamo Bowl or whatever it is, Sun Bowl or the, whatever it is, they're not, they don't have to do all the extra fanfare and all those extra things. And so we'll see how that shakes out. But I don't know. I mean, just, it feels to me icky, the idea of putting 17 games on somebody, on a, on a, on a 21 year old's body for no money and you can say that nil is coming like not you personally but like generic you the universal you can say that nil is coming so it'll be fine they'll make some money and it's like no dude that's not them getting paid that's them working outside of the system to have some money but to put 17 the nf and i guess this is my big thing the nfl got to talk to their players the players got to have a say. They got to, to 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 negotiate. And for this, this is just, and this speaks to sort of that paternal and patriarchal element of college sports that is very frustrating, is this idea that, like, we know what's best for them. We'll just do it with no say from them, with no decision made by them, with no input from them. And I don't know, just growing up, I, I've been thinking about this a lot. Like growing up, the college football season, it used to be eight games, eight games. Then it turned with nine games. Now we got 11 games. And from 11 games, 11 games went to 12 games. I was in college, 2003, we played 11 games. And 2012, we played 12 games. And then a bowl game on top of that, so 13. And then it just, and then we added, you add in a conference championship game. And so now you're, talking about playing 14 games and now we add the 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 playoff or we're talking about 15 games and then it just is very I don't know it just feels it feels not right to me and especially if you're not gonna in the money's they're gonna be raking in money hand over fist and to not dole it out to these kids is does feel not right and i don't know i i don't feel bad not being in support of this even just for that reason alone not even talking about the football yeah no i i think that that is one of the talking points and something the commissioners are going to have to work through 17 would be rare um because it would be a team that played in a conference championship game Mm -hmm. lost and then played in the first round, played all the way to the championship game. Yep. Um, but it's still going to happen. And I, I agree with you completely. This is, you know, you don't have unions in college sports. You don't have the say from the players in 
You don't have in advocates. The process. Or advocates, yeah. You don't have they, – they're going to be said that they're going to talk to players about wear and tear and this and that. But it's not the same as in the NFL. They have a seat at the table, and they help decide the circumstances of this season. And, yeah. you know, we're going to have plenty of time to get into this in recent weeks because I think it's going to continue to be one of the most important topics coming out of this. Um, but before we go, we're going to do a quick last call uh, because this is our favorite segment. It is a mini rant or a reason to cheers before you go. It's whatever you feel like doing at two in the morning at a bar, which we can do again. So you could actually do a last call in real life again. Um, and Felder, I, I feel like your last call is a continuation of the thought you were just going to say. So take it away. Yeah. Um, one, I can't wait to get into for better or for worse which is a segment that I introduced to Nicole where we are going to look at programs across the country and are you better or worse off than like for over basically over the course of our lifetime are you better or worse because I have this theory and I, need, I guess I need Nicole's right she stopped me before the show and she said hey we're going to do some research to make sure we got the numbers right and but are you better when I was are you are you better or worse than when I was a kid is basically the, the segment so we're going to do that. We're going to do that in a, in a coming week. Um, but no, my rant, yeah, you're right. It's, and I wrote it down because I wanted to crystallize the thought. Care about the sport. Not just wins and losses, but also the people playing. I just want people to care about football. Actual football and football players. Not TV ratings. Not bragging rights. Just the sport. The sport itself. Like, Learn about the sport. Know about the sport. Understand why your team is running out a guy in a four-eye instead of a three-tech. Learn about the sport. Care about the sport. And that kind of also crystallized for me when I'm watching Simone Biles, and she's just, one, she's a freak. She's amazing. She's so good. <laughs> like, it's, it's insane how good she is. And I've been reading like actual like people that cover gymnastics or cover Olympics and they're like, and she did this and she did this and she did this. Not like it's not. I'm seeing people talk about Simone Biles as one of the greatest athletes of all time. Yes. And what she's doing. And I just wish we got more of that in football. I I. I just wish I got more of that. And I get it. I'm not the target audience, but I, I just wish there was more about the sport. I love it. Like, what, that's why I love Ted Wynn, right? He's He loves the sport. That's it. That's all. That's all I got. So so my last call is, um, it's, is, it's not too far, not too dissimilar. Um, I think it's about the sport, loving the sport. I just wanted to give a shout out to the four members of this working group because this is one of the first times, maybe the first time, that college football has been proactive about making a decision that is actually best for the sport as a whole. Because they didn't have to do this, even with people complaining, even with the access problems and the fan engagements and all of these things. But they decided to skip past eight. They decided to not wait till the end of this contract with ESPN to make a change and to be really thoughtful. You had, you know, the SEC willing to give AQ spots, including the group of five. You had Notre Dame willing to trade off on, you know, the ability to get a buy. And it was people 
coming together to say, what are we willing to do to do what the sport needs? Because the sport is in trouble. It's not serving what we want it to serve right now. So shout out to, to those people for making that happen and actually prioritizing the sport and the health of the sport. And this is something we've talked about over the last few years um, and has become more and more pressing. And I just wanted to shout out the four members of the working group for doing that for actually coming up with a model that is the best for the sport, fixes and addresses all the major problems. Um, and I'm excited to cover you know, these meetings and sort of all of the iterations of what comes after this proposal. Um, so as Felder mentioned, we will have a cool segment um, coming up in the coming weeks about For Better, For Worse, looking at historical patterns of programs over the course of our lifetime. Um, and, and we'll also just have regular Power Hour content every Tuesday here on this feed. We appreciate you listening. And if you are not already an Athletic subscriber, you can sign up at theathletic.com slash Nicole for 40% off. Andy Staples, Ari Wasserman, they'll be back on this feed later this week. And we will see you next Tuesday on Power Hour. Thank you for listening. Mm -hmm.